What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. Well, we don't have the hearts cut out for our little tree yet, but uh, we're working on it. At least it's still lit, still green. Sorry you didn't get your Monday morning uh, fix of r slash Tales from Tech Support. That dog will sleep for hours and not move until I start to record. This is Dolly. Hi, Dolly. <sighs> anyway, sorry y'all didn't get your Monday morning dose of tech support. Uh, I was sick over the weekend, so yeah. was catching up on some rest yesterday, and today I've been working on Meredith's bedroom, Bubba's room, trying to get some of that done. We got uh, some painting done, a lot of trim work done. We're fitting her room door now so that it actually opens and closes the way it's supposed to. So yeah. Making progress. Alright, let's get into the stories. I think a user might be too embarrassed to talk to me. At my work, we have two technology teams. Desktop support and system support. Since we're understaffed, who in IT isn't, right? We have visibility of both ticket inboxes and sometimes we can assist each other with small incidents. I work in systems and have my roster of regulars with whom I interact almost daily and most of the current operations staff knows me since I'm also the DBA for our main systems. My friend works in desktop and he deals with all the new joiners, setting up the accounts, handing down the hardware, etc., as well as regular support, so everybody knows him. What do you say to a beer, Normie? Hey, sailor. New in town? About six months before this incident, a new joiner started. Let's call her User. My friend set her up, but as with any joiner, he had to help her navigate the company portals registering user accounts, setting passwords, RSA tokens, mailboxes, etc. Having visibility of the desktop support inbox, I saw user's name pop up many times, so I knew about her before ever meeting her. Also, user isn't in operations, so she hasn't met me. One Friday, most of the offices work from home, including my friend from DS. However, user would need some help getting her Bloomberg account set up. So Thursday evening, my friend tells me user will be coming to the office tomorrow to set up her Bloomberg account. Can you help her log into the Bloomberg terminal? Cool. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Friday morning, user arrives and asks, Are you Polandra? I was told by desktop support to come see you for my Bloomberg access. Ah, yes. Let's have you log into the terminal and set up your credentials. Shouldn't take more than two minutes. User sits down and enters her details while Bloomberg is registering her new account. I'm sitting next to her doing my own thing on my laptop. While she's there idly waiting, she tries to engage in small talk. So, haven't met you before, you must be new. When did you start? <laughs> I just side-hide her and quizzically smile. Uh, I've been with company for four years. I just see her freeze and go quiet. Bloomberg confirms she's been registered as a new user. I tell her that's it. You're now set up. If you have any other issues, don't hesitate to email desktop support. User leaves and never interacts with me again. Not even after she started needing help from systems, preferring to go directly to my junior colleague than to email us directly. Safe to say, I think she's still embarrassed about that and doesn't want to risk having me pick up her tickets. Junior colleague is currently away on holidays for two weeks. User still refuses to come to me for help. I think she's waiting for junior colleague to return. I'm not sure why she would be embarrassed. I mean, maybe just for a brief split second, but other than that, okay, so she didn't see you. She didn't know you worked there. No problem. You told her, okay, <laughs> I've been here for four years. She said, oh, okay, didn't know. That's the end of it. Like, who gets that embarrassed that they can't even get help at work with something because they didn't realize somebody worked there before them? I don't know. Just strange. 
I hate when two bizarre things are needed to explain one weird event. I support a VOIP product that the company uses for all its phone stuff. Security contacted us about an upset user who says that voicemail is recording her phone calls. She's not being paranoid. It did in fact happen. Her colleague called her. She answered. They talked for five minutes. Later, she got an email with an MP3 file and written transcript of the call. <laughs> being very freaked out by this is reasonable. She is very freaked out. I looked through what data we have and I can see one system says there was a one-to-one -one voice call that lasted for five minutes. Another system says the call was transferred to voicemail. If it was transferred to voicemail, the first system should have a little cassette tape icon instead of a phone with an arrow pointing away icon. The correlation IDs from both systems match. It definitely was one phone call and the systems disagree about whether it was a voicemail or not. To me, that's just one weird thing. Somehow the call forked and the system that mostly thinks about voicemail thinks it was a voicemail. The system that tracks voice calls thinks it was a voice call. Maybe some freak split-second timing is required to explain why both systems think they took the call. One should lock the other out, but maybe there's a 0.01 millisecond window where this could happen? Tiny enough that we've never had this happen before. But the telephony support people have a theory. They must already have been on an external PSTN to PSTN call completely external to our system. And then during that call, one of them also inadvertently called the other from their VOIP client to her VOIP client. That is, A used his phone's calling app to call B's cell phone number, but also A used the VOIP app to call her VOIP app. She answered the first call, but not the second. The second rolled over to voicemail and recorded the entire conversation. It could happen. It would be two calls, but we'd only see one of them. The telephony guys insist that there must have been two calls. One voice call that was answered and a separate call that was not. They categorically reject the idea that one call could get forked like this, and two different systems each think they owned the call. So the two-call theory is also just one weird thing, but only if both systems agreed that the second call was a voicemail, rather than see this as a single call that got split somehow into two streams, each tracked by its own part of the system. The telephony engineers think that there's a bug in the second system that caused it to not recognize a voicemail as a voicemail. So now two weird things are required. The one time ever that someone has inadvertently called someone they were already talking to using a completely different client app at each end of each call. The call was also affected by a bug we've never seen before that misclassified a voicemail as a successful two-party call. I'm skeptical. Yeah, I, I'm skeptical too. I, th I think what the OP said in the beginning was more likely. It was just some really unusual, like, once-in-a-lifetime timing in that call where... It like it got picked up just as voicemail was ready to pick up, and yeah, they both took the call. So uh, it shouldn't happen, but there's flaws in pretty much anything and everything you can find. So oh well, you know, phone calls. And I don't know why this story reminds me of this, but does anybody remember phone freaking back in the day? I didn't really get into it. I just I didn't have the dexterity or the memory for it, but I could do certain things with it before even like star 69 came along it was like star 5515 or something like that hit the receiver a couple times and it would go dead no dial tone no operator and if you let it sit like that for a little while it would actually pick up on other phone calls from the neighborhood it was really strange now this was in the 80s so i don't know if anybody knows let me know down below there's lots of people on here that are way smarter than me don't worry, I won't forget my password again. I wrote it on this piece of paper. You're an idiot! Just had the call no one wants to get at 6 a.m. on Super Bowl Sunday. The guy working the early shift forgot his password. Actually, it was an F-up we did on his account. 
Poor dude. My question regarding the title is, what is a good comeback to this? Obviously, Lost Password Dude only wants to get his day done without any trouble, including talking to me at 6am. What I'm struggling with is the fact that he shouldn't be doing this however at the same time. As soon as we end the call, he'll be doing whatever the F he wants to get his day done without any trouble. I always find a little humor goes a long way to pass the message. I often go with, whatever you do when we're not talking on the phone is on you. But I would still like to be more clear that passwords should never be written down. I think I missed something in that story. But anyway, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, you do you, man, but it's probably a bad idea. I mean, I'm not going to jump all over people for it, but I will let them know what I think of it, you know. Hey, if you think that's the only way you can remember your password is to write it down, then whatever. I'm not telling you that it's the right thing to do. Uh, yeah. On you, buddy. How do I undelete? Yesterday was my last day at a job I've held for nearly six years. I spent the last two weeks training my replacement. For the most part, my replacement, someone I worked with for several years, but they held a different role, was following directions and taking detailed notes of each process. Until yesterday. As I was teaching them to set up a new configuration, I instructed that I perform this task by copying an existing configuration and then making the necessary adjustments for the new configuration. The new guy instead opens a prompt to create a new configuration from scratch. New guy, how do I fill this out? Me, you don't. You close out of that and go back and copy an existing configuration. New guy, okay, so what do I enter in this field? <laughs> Me, I don't know. That's why I always copy an existing configuration. New guy, okay, I'll figure it out. I walked away. A few minutes later, new guy has made it to the bottom of the new configuration wizard. New guy, what goes here? Me, I don't know. That's why I always copy an existing configuration. I resume ignoring the new guy until a couple minutes later. New guy. I think I clicked the wrong button. How do I undelete the configurations? The new guy finally grew frustrated doing it the hard way and decided to take my advice. Only by that time, he was so frustrated that he wasn't taking his time, nor was he thinking clearly. He accidentally highlighted the parent job and then accidentally clicked on the button that deletes whatever you have selected, thus deleting all the configurations for that job. Luckily, another admin was able to help him retrieve a backup of the configuration file from the nightly backup job and restore it. He then was able to copy an existing configuration and make the few required changes to set up the new configuration as requested. And down below, there's a comment that sums it up perfectly. How do I do this by not doing what you're telling me to do? Yeah, I don't know why people keep ignoring. Listen, I gave you the instructions. It'd be like asking for directions to the you know closest gas station. I gave you the most direct route there and you want to drive, you know, three hours the opposite direction and then try to figure out how to get there from there. You've just made your life 10 times harder. Why didn't you listen to me the first time? Why ask? You obviously know better. Do it your way. Applying for a job at an IT consultancy firm. My first job as IT support engineer was at a local IT consultancy firm. They made sure that the person they interviewed were informed that they had people placed in top 100 firms. So the interview starts through Teams, and the two persons on the other side didn't have their webcam turned on. I tried telling them that the issue might be a slider or a button, if not, maybe a faulty setting. They absolutely did not find the source of the problem, so they take another laptop to continue the interview. We go back and forth to ask a bunch of technical questions, stating that I had absolutely no experience in the field, or on paper they asked me very simple questions. Workings of the switch, what is HTML if you encounter, blah blah blah, what do you do? Four months later, I start working there. First day I started talking to the person, I asked what the problem actually was. Guess what? It was the slider. 
The person that took my interview didn't know a lot about PCs, and I had to help her every week or so. She was kind, so I guess I didn't mind it that much. Left the company for another job. Same field, so a lot more stories to come. Not joking, I've seen my share. And down below, one of the comments says, I feel like my time at an IT consultant slash MSP may have led to me discovering what type of alcohol I like. Another comment below that says, and what kind of alcohol don't you like? There's a lot of jobs like that, especially if you're dealing with people. Um, you know, you're always going to deal with people to some extent, but if you're dealing with people who need your help constantly, that, that tends to get a little bit annoying and uh, repetitive, maybe. Yeah, that's a good word. Repetitive. My laptop's charger is defective. I need a new one. Or, yes, everything's plugged in. Nothing fancy. Minor story that just happened 10 minutes ago. We have a user with a cheap dock and a few year old laptop since user isn't working full time and sometimes from home. You know, kids and all that. The dock requires an external power supply for the laptop. Anyway, today user is in the office, gets a pop-up that the internal battery is down to 6% and obviously calls us, which is correct so far. Knowing user and how often they plug in and pull out the cables, my first intention was to ask and check if all cables are correctly set or pushed in. Hint, they were not. So I asked the user to check if the cables are plugged in and if maybe someone pulled the cord or plug out under the table. Maybe to charge his phone or whatever. User accepts. Calls back a few minutes later that everything is as it should be. It's Friday, so I'm in a rather good mood and believe it. Pull out a new charger and start my journey. On location, user saw the new charger and happily accepts the situation and leaves to talk to another colleague. I can hear the chit-chat and prefer that over users that look over your shoulder. Took a quick dive under the table following the cord. Checked if everything's plugged in. It was. And at last, checked the side of the laptop if it's plugged in too. It wasn't. It was halfway out. User now believes they have a fancy new charger and I can close that case and had a few minutes of fresh air and walking. Win-win, I guess. At least on a good day, they were all not unfriendly like on some days. And down below from Computer Happy 2746 reminds me of a time when a user called me on Zoom, cameras on, and was saying my monitors aren't coming on. User then proceeds to show me the monitor power buttons and power surge protector and then zooms past all the other components, to which I noticed that none of them were on either. I then say, well, why would your monitors work when none of the other things are working? User looked at me like I was crazy, lol. I then say, let me see your power surge protector again. Long story short, button was in the off position. User turned it on and behold, let there be LED light. Now, part is, I'm not sure if the user was trying to pull a fast one and get out of work or genuinely didn't know. That part bugs me to this day. If something's not coming on for me, the first thing I check is, okay, is there a light on the monitor? Like, even when my monitors are off, if the computer's on, there's some sort of light that, like, it's not quite, like, this one's a blue button. And it's not a physical button, it's it's more of a touch button. And it's dark blue when it's on. It's like a pale blue, almost lavendery color. I know that makes no sense, but anyway, a faded type of blue that is when the monitor's like in a sleep mode and things like that. So, you know, okay, is power going to the monitor? Sure. Is power going to the PC? Now, I don't use the LEDs on my PC much anymore. Once in a great while, but I mean, it's just not something that gets my jollies off. Um, but if I can hear it running, can I see the fans moving? I have a clear tempered glass side on the side of it. You know, is there an indicator light on that? I mean, look around. It's like people not understanding that the power's off 
and they still want their computer to work. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.